Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. In the shadow of two giants, I'm going to add to the story. And my story is going to be, okay, uh, there's a freedom that happens in that moment and an encounter with God. But then we have to walk that out. Let's talk about the walking out of freedom. But first, oh, you know what I love? I love how we've, we've had a, a testimony every time, like a voice from our congregation about their story. And I reckon we should continue the run. Don't you? So would you put your hands together as Jefferson comes right on out and blesses us? As a small child, I remember being overwhelmed and crying at a dinner table. My father deceased and my mother burdened and frustrated with me. I was told to stop crying or I'd be sent away. I learned early on to strive to be good, to avoid rejection. At age 11, I learned that my birth father had died from suicide and I felt confused, rejected and fearful of death. I made rules for myself to manage the pain. I was to be vigilant in faith, never caught in sin never to fail, to always be right. Looking back, I realised I took on the responsibility of my own salvation, which of course is impossible. At age 15, I faced feelings of overwhelm, loneliness and suicidal thoughts. The shame kept me from letting others in, so I began to self-medicate to avoid the feelings. I later married and my need for control and my dominance and my avoidance didn't play well in my relationship. I was also hurt by actions of fellow believers and the church leadership, and I lost trust in God. I retreated into work and addictions, seeking to numb the pain and my failures, and in shame, I hardened my heart. God offered me many opportunities throughout this journey to let go and to trust him, which I would do, but I would often take back control and ignore real invitations and promptings from him to address my core issues. A wake-up call came when God revealed the damage I'd caused in my marriage. In response, I pursued God and his word. I sought freedom and accountability through supportive relationships. I got great insight through study and Christian counselling. I worked to repair some of the damage I'd done and on forgiving my father and releasing myself from the burden of perfection. I served in various church roles and pursued God's calling in my life, but I still struggled with control and letting him have it all and slowly fell back into my old ways. But God didn't give up. He planted me in a new church and he surrounded me with faith-filled people, offered opportunities to help others and attend a freedom group, all of which have been parts to my road for freedom. And I've gradually learnt to trust God again as I worked with what I could offer at each step of my journey until now. What looked like repeated failures to me, the places where I could not see a point of continuing to try, his faithfulness was at work to bring freedom bit by bit. He has given me freedom from addictions and continues to bring greater freedom elsewhere. And he has shown me his trustworthiness again and again. And recently, when God prompted me again to fully trust him and make my struggles known to those who mattered most, I did. With fear and prompting, I followed his word, sorry, with fear, I followed his promptings and I experienced true true grace and acceptance. 
both from my loved ones, but most importantly from God. Since then, I've been working with God, with my wife, my family, and my friends to clean my spiritual house, address my mind, will, and emotions with the truth and tools that he's already given me. Over and over again, I now choose to lay it all down and get in step with God, to trust him and work in partnership with him. How flipping incredible. How courageous and inspiring. I think um, this, this might be one of those services for many of us here that are those breakthrough moment services. And after the service, um, we always offer times of prayer. And this might be one of those for you. Let's talk about the parable of the slate. It's not a parable in the Bible. You haven't, you know, don't freak out. It's a parable for us today. This is the parable of the slate. Are you ready for the parable of the slate? The parable of the slate tells a story of, uh, of a man. Um, but he would count himself the most unlucky of men. He tried everything. Like, you know, he, 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 tried, he engaged with life the way we would all engage with life. He, he, he st- tried to start a business, and he started well, but it fizzled and failed. And, and, and he tried to start another one, and it started okay, but that also fizzled and failed. And he went, oh, I'm so unlucky. He started a relationship, and it started well, a couple of dates. There was chemistry. It was going well, and then it fizzled and failed. And it's, it's almost like everything that he started, he fizzled and failed. He was the most unlucky of men. One day he went, you know what I'll do? He said, I need a reset. He said, what I need to do is I need to just get away for a while. So, so he, he uh, packed a, a backpack and he went out bush and he went out to Mount Kosciuszko and he started walking up and he, and he went regional. He went really remote, like off the beaten track. He just wanted to get away. And, and as he was almost at the crest of this, this, this hill in the middle of nowhere, he felt himself trip and he stumbled down uh, and deep into this crevice, like deep into this, this, this cave wall on one side, cave wall on another side. Uh, he, as he landed, he landed on his bag. So he wasn't hugely injured, but everything in his bag got broken. His phone got broken. His water spilled. And, and uh, his food, uh, I don't know what happened to his food, but, but, he's, but it was, he ruined everything. And he looked around and he went, oh, no, I truly am the most unlucky of men. Even this has fizzled and failed. Ugh. He looked around and there was no trees in there. There was no water. He couldn't get out. He couldn't climb out. Uh, all he had around him was just stone, 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 you know. And, and the type of stone, it was slate because we're talking about slate. So that slate, those black sort of dark colored sort of rocks that are sedimentary and they can break into bits and they're flat sometimes and they're sharp around the edges. That's what he had around him, nothing else. And he's like, what am I going to do? I can't climb out. There's no vines, there's nothing, I've got no water. Slate's a tricky thing, you know. In fact, rocks are a funny thing, aren't they? There's nothing, there was nothing particularly special about the slate, nothing particularly special about the rocks. There never really is. They're just rocks. The thing that makes rocks uh, functional is kind of 
It's kind of what you do with them next, isn't it? So like, example, example, a rock is just a rock until a young shepherd boy picks it up, puts it in a sling, and by the word of God, flings it and smashes it into the skull of the giant, uh, the, the enemy of the people. Nothing special about the rock, unless. Similarly, a rock is just a rock. Unless you are a demon-oppressed person in a tomb uh, who, who, who wears no clothes and calls out and cries out and picks up these rocks and cuts himself. Awaiting to that day when Jesus and the Gospels approaches him and says, get away from him, you demon. The rock was a neutral element about what you do with it. So our unlucky man is in the pit. He doesn't know how to get out. And he has these otherwise innocuous rocks, stones all around him. And he starts to think as the hours go past. He can't call anyone. No one knows where he is. He has no water. The, the future looks pretty bleak. And he started looking at the sharp edges of those rocks in some pretty unhealthy ways. What if maybe I should just... But thank God, he, another idea hit him. Instead of using those rocks for those reasons, the, the man uh, pulled the rocks around uh, wherever he could find them and he started stacking them on the ground. And then he got some more and made another step. And then he got some more and it took him hours. Another step and another step and another step. Until finally... He found himself being able to reach the top, pull himself out, and he was saved. He, he got out. I thought you'd be more excited about that, but that's okay. <laughs> he made himself dead, got himself down the hill, got himself down and into, back into the city, and actually something crazy happened in his life. What happened, you see, was he, he started a business again. This time his business didn't fizzle. It, it grew. It was fruitful. And he, he saw somebody and there was chemistry and there was a dating and it's, and it's still going to this day. It's incredible. In fact, every part of his life that was fizzing and failing and fumbling before started to find itself into a sense of rhythm and momentum. So here's how I know the story because I interviewed him in my fictitious brain. I interviewed the man and I said, mate, tell me, what was going on? What is, what's the change? Was, it, was the change that you thought you were going to die and you've had this fresh lease on life and, and now you're seeing things completely differently or is it something else? And you know what the man told me? The man said, no, nah, nothing like that, nothing, nothing like that. I'm not that deep a person. He said, what happened though was while I was in the pit, I realized that the rocks around me could either uh, harm me for my destruction or serve me. But I had to not think of the big picture, but just think of one step at a time until I could get myself out of there. That is the story, the parable of the slate. You ready for the lesson? We'll have to wait. The lesson from the parable of the slate is that whilst we dream and we wait and we believe for that radical moment or that all at once transformational change in our lives, which, by the way, God does to this day and he'll do today as we get our, someone comes and partners and we pray or in the moment before when we were praying, he will bring transformational change. 
in a way that only he can do. But whilst we dream and wait for that radical moment, what you're going to find is that it's the very little things in your life, it's the very little steps in your life, and it's the very little choices in your life, often, by the way, on autopilot, and you don't even rationally realise that you're doing them, that will build or bind you. James 3 tells us that faith without actions is dead. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells two parables, the parable of the talents. You might have, I don't know if you've read that one before, but you know, there's a parable of the talents, you can read it later. There's a parable of the virgins. In both of those parables, they tell stories of people who were faithful in the little things, and then they were rewarded in the end. It wasn't just saying, oh, I just hope it'll all work out, or I'm just waiting and waiting for that incredible thing that'll change everything for me. That's fantastic. In both stories, the master returns, the bridegroom turns up, but there was a contingent on them for some of the little things to prepare. In other words, an encounter with God is absolutely in this place for all of us today. And I'm believing that as people come out at the end and they're getting, you get prayer for about laying things down and getting free in their life, 100%, I'm believing that you will find an encounter with God that transforms you, that it's an instant moment the way we've unpacked. But after Sunday, on Monday, you will need to do stuff too. See, over my years as a, as a minister, oh, I didn't, look, if you've just met me, um, so I've had the privilege of being on staff here at C3 Watson many years ago, and I loved it, and this is at my home church, and this is the place where I got saved, put my hand up and became a Christian. But about nine years ago, my family and I, we moved over to Scotland and we planted C3 Edinburgh. And so we've only got back in January, handing the church over to another family. And this is our next chapter of our life and we're so delighted to be here. So, hello. And as my part of my story, I've had the privilege of walking and ministering with and partnering with many in times where they felt in jail, in prison, like bound up in an area of their life. And I've had the privilege of praying with many, and I've seen with my own eyes freedom come from heaven and break them open free. I've also then walked with people, with, the, with some of the same people who were then believing with all of their heart that it was a new day and a new change, but then the next week they'd come in and they'd be on the prayer line and they'd be like, I'm, I'm captured again, I'm stuck again. And it breaks my heart a little bit as, as their friend, as their pastor, because I can see their, their faith eyes getting duller every time, thinking again, again, again. You know what I mean. That's, I know if we were going to sit down and have a coffee, you'd have a story like that in an area of your life. I do. And in that frustration, oh, by the way, let's not live there because the mercies of God are new every day. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And if you come in 10 times, 20 times, 100 times, the Lord your God loves and appreciates and honours that. But even in that frustration, to capture that frustration of the coming back again, lies the question, was the moment I had when I got prayed for or was in that space in freedom group and that happened in my heart, 
does that mean that that was a fake freedom? Was that a faux freedom? When Jesus said that who the Son sets free is free indeed in John 8, 36, did that mean for others but not for me in this issue? That's the crux, isn't it? And so this message is a simple, it's a one-pointer message. If, you're, if you are walking through areas of spiritual oppressions or addictions of various kinds or mindsets or deceptions, I need, I'm here to tell you a thing. And the thing I'm here to tell you is you can experience the power of God today that will set you free. But as you step away from that transformational catalytic moment, your habits, say habits, your habits must align with your freedom lest you walk backwards in, into that ditch. When your heart becomes renewed and redeemed and made right, but your habits and your wiring don't align on the Monday, which by the way, you and I are responsible for, God will set us free and then we're responsible with our free will that He's given us to start to make some changes. You're going to keep finding yourself wrapping up and around and around and around and around and that's when you find yourself needing freedom again and again and again. It's not a God who wasn't powerful or willing It's us who hasn't dealt with our old wiring. Check out the screen. Matthew 12, 43 to 45. It's a bit like this. Jesus talks to the the Israelites at this time. He says, this is like your generation's like. He said, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest, but doesn't find it. And then it says, I'll return home to that area in which I left. And when it arrives, it it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order, and then goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there, and the final condition of that person gets worse than the first. That's how it will be with this wicked generation. And so often people take this and talk about spiritual warfare moments, and I'm not, that's, but what Jesus is talking about is what happens when God moves miraculously, but we do nothing next. When God moves miraculously, we must do something next. See, a habit, and I need to wrap this thing up, so I want to say this. A habit is merely a cerebral shortcut. I work in healthcare. It's a cerebral shortcut wired by your complex mind to help you do things more efficiently, and it's a beautiful thing that it does. And habits, just like these stones of slate, are neutral. They just do stuff more efficiently, but they contain the power within them, depending on what you do with them, to either cut you for your destruction or build you to get you out of anything and set you up for the life that God has for you. A habit is a habit after all. But whether you'll slay giants with them or find yourself in places of self-destruction, it depends in some part on what we do next. Are you ready to do something about that? You ready for a repeater? Repeat after me. In Christ I am redeemed. But now Jesus, redeem my habits and mindsets. Help me change them. How about this one? Let's do that again. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for slowly making me more like Jesus. That's called sanctification, but I didn't want to use that word. And now, Holy Spirit, 
Sanctify, I'll use it. Sanctify my habits. Empower me to make new ones. Let's sanctify some habits today. Let's ask God to redeem some of our mindsets today so that when we leave the altar, when we leave the place of putting everything before the Lord, we have a plan and we have an idea to do something different. Let me quickly tell you how, because often when I speak, I speak in the big picture and then afterwards people say, yeah, but what about how? So let me give you three points real quick. Number one, challenge your habits. Remember, they're almost always on autopilot, so you'll have to watch your life closely this week. What are you doing without thinking? Number two, here's how to deal with a destructive habit. If, there's, if you're using the sharp end of that slate, then bring it before God. Repent, which just means change your mind about it. I don't want to do that anymore. And then make it as inconvenient as possible to continue to do. Deal with yourself like that. Turn the sharp edge into a stepping stone like this. When, when you, find, when you th- consider a good habit, a habit that you want to replace that with, ask God to empower it and then make it that one as convenient as possible. You can do that for anything. And just as Jefferson said, it's through these little things over time that you're going to find yourself uh, aligning with the freedom that you just obtained in a service such as this. Amen? like we should pray this out. After the service, like I said, there are a prayer team up the front. And I know, I know in prayer, in preparation, I know that many of us know there's that area of our life that we feel like we keep coming back. And if you wanted a title for the message, one of them is the parable of the slate. The other one is this, how to get that thing off my life so I never need to go back up to that prayer line for that issue ever again. So after the service, if you need to get that thing off your life and sanctify and redeem those habits and ask God to empower them, you better find yourself up here. But for us and for now, let's finish in prayer. And I liked that standing communion uh, before. So can we stand to our feet for this prayer? And would you close your eyes and in every place, if you feel comfortable doing so, lift your hands to heaven. It's a simple prayer. And let's do this repeat one again. And if you mean it with all of your heart, man, something's going to shift. Especially, and I'm speaking now, especially if you've come into this place and your relationship with God, this first step in life, isn't quite aligned. If you, maybe you've never said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Or maybe you said, yes, but one of my worst habits is I keep walking away and I need to come back. This is a prayer for you, but we're all going to pray it with you. Are you ready? So let's repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, I decide to follow you from this moment. Jesus, thank you for coming into my life. For the forgiveness of all of my sins. And for setting me free. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.